MySafeLA is the public education partner of the Los Angeles Fire Department. You're listening to a MySafeLA Fire and Life Safety Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Cameron Barrett, the Education Director for MySafeLA, and thanks for joining us for another Fire and Life Safety Podcast. We're going to be talking about smoke alarms, just like we've been talking about in our last several podcasts. It's a very important topic, and we're fortunate today to be joined by a true expert in smoke alarms, and that's Nancy Trent, the Assistant Director of Fire Protection Publications at Oklahoma State University. Welcome, Nancy. Thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be here today. Um, We asked you to come onto our podcast because you have access to some pretty compelling data and research having to do with smoke alarms uh, in homes throughout the country. And it's an important topic to us because we have had a very fatal year so far in Los Angeles. We've lost eight people in the first six weeks of 2014 to fire fatalities. Every single one of those people lived in a home without a functioning smoke alarm or with no smoke alarm at all. Is that unusual, Nancy? Is that something that, uh, that happens throughout the country or, or are we unusual here in Los Angeles? It's very typical. Uh, Where we see fire deaths across America is in homes where there is no working smoke alarm. In fact, um, we can almost predict what homes uh, or what people living in homes might have a fatal fire. And statistics tell us that uh, people who smoke, people who live in poverty, And people without a high school education are at high risk of a home fire death. We also see indication that people who live in really rural areas or people who live in concentrated urban uh, environments are at greater risk. And then the newest data that we see also points to some ethnic differences. If you are black or a Native American, you have a much higher risk of a home fire death than if you are a Caucasian and then... um, who has the least likely uh, possibility of a fire death across our country are Asian Americans. You know, we're a very ethnically diverse city, and we are also, as you well know, in Los Angeles, packed in pretty tightly. So those are two red flags that go up for us when it comes to um, dealing with fatal fires here in the city. We usually lose about 20 people a year, and often... Uh, I would say nearly 100% of the time, uh, the people that die uh, in fires in Los Angeles don't have working smoke alarms. So our data this year with the eight fatal fires isn't unusual, sadly. But it's really confounding to us here at My Safe LA and to uh, the men and women who fight these fires uh, at the Los Angeles Fire Department that there aren't smoking, there aren't working smoke alarms. Um, in these structures, in these homes. Why why do people still not have a working smoke alarm in their homes? Is there research that, that can answer that question, Nancy? Well, there are indicators. And uh, one thing we know is that if smoke alarms aren't installed in the proper locations or in the correct locations in a home and you get nuisance alarms, then people get really tired of that smoke Mm -hmm. alarm going off when they burn the toast, for example, 
or when they've had a steaming shower and they open the bathroom door and the smoke alarm goes off. And so the people themselves say, I'm really tired of that, and they disable the alarm. They take it down or they take the battery out. So installing the right kind of smoke alarm in the right location so we don't get nuisance alarms is a key. Uh, also today, having plenty of smoke alarms. One is not enough. And we recommend that you have a smoke alarm in every bedroom, outside of each sleeping area, and on every level of the home. In Oklahoma, our average is four and a half smoke alarms per home when we install alarms for people with disabilities. Can you give me an idea of Four, four and a half alarms per what square footage of home? What's a general square footage measurement in Oklahoma? Well, Cameron, it's not as much as square footage as it is the layout of the home. Ah, so, okay. so, for example, if you have two bedrooms and one at the end of your house, you mm-hmm. need one outside that bedroom and in each sleeping room. But maybe you have a room at the other end of your house that's your guest room or your mother-in-law room then that you need a smoke alarm in that bedroom and outside that second sleeping area. Um, One of the key things to remember is that alarms, uh, ionization kinds of alarms, need to be not in the kitchen or close to the kitchen. So if the house is small, like many of our older homes where people live, Mm -hmm. uh, then you need a photoelectric alarm closer, if you have to have an alarm that's closer to the kitchen. So a photoelectric gives less nuisance alarms to uh, the products of uh, steam or uh, accidentally cooking something too long. And that is, I remember growing up with those very first smoke alarms, and my goodness, every time, you know, it's true, every time you open the oven, one of those would go off. But uh, smoke alarms have come a long way, and you mentioned two different kinds. Are they easy to identify when you go to... Home Depot or Lowe's or your local hardware store and you're shopping for alarms? Uh, Usually the package will tell you that. It'll say photo or ion. Uh, You also will see some newer packaging where it says this smoke alarm is good for a living room or this smoke alarm is good for a bedroom or install this smoke alarm closer to the kitchen so that even on the labeling it gives you some clues about that. We also see smoke alarms that have long-life batteries so that you're not, you don't need to change the battery and the alarm uh, on a regular basis. And the smoke alarm and the battery are intended, uh, manufactured to last for 10 years. So when the battery goes out, it means uh, that you need a new alarm. You know, and that's um, a law that will go into effect here in California in June. Um, older houses uh, won't have this um, uh, requirement uh, to you know, no one's going to go into your home and check and make sure that you only have 10-year smoke alarms. Uh, but um, smoke alarms that are being sold and new construction all have to have these 10-year uh, battery uh, life smoke alarms, which I think is a great thing because it sounds like there'll be less nuisance alarms. Is that one of the designs for these longer battery life alarms? You know, uh, the long-life battery doesn't impact that, but the way the alarm detects the smoke. So that's the photoelectric or ionization. And so the photoelectric is less likely to false alarm or to provide that nuisance alarm uh, from cooking or from bathroom steam. 
But you need both kinds in your home. You need photoelectric and ionization to get the earliest warning to the kinds of fires you might have in your home. You know, the other thing that's changed uh, is that we now also have really good methods to wake people up who are deaf or hard of hearing. In fact, now, let's, let's talk about that. You, you, your group has gone out and and installed thousands of alarms in homes in Oklahoma for people with disabilities. There's a lot of different alarms out there for people who might not, who might have mobility issues or have hearing issues or or vision issues. Can you talk about that? Well, the uh, fundamental. Uh, principle to understand is a smoke alarm is to wake you up and alert you to a fire that happens at night. Usually if we're awake, then we are aware of a fire. We smell it, we see it, we see the smoke. But when you're sleeping, and I'm assuming your deaths in Los Angeles were happened at night. So Uh, nearly all of them, yes. Yes. So you want that smoke alarm to wake you up. And there are new devices that are scientifically proven to be better at waking us up than the current sound that our, our, all our smoke alarms make. And these devices, they are not smoke alarms. They are alert devices. And in hmm. fact, I say to people, this device sits by your bed and it listens for your smoke alarm. It is a listening device. And, when in, and it reacts to the sound of the smoke alarm. So your smoke alarm in your hallway it goes off, the device sitting by your bed hears that tone, that three beeps and a pause, three beeps and a pause, mm-hmm. and then it makes a lower frequency sound that is scientifically proven to be better at waking us all up, and better than that, it has a bed shaker. And there's one in my, uh, in my bedroom and I have one of those really thick, heavy memory foam mattresses. Mm, and mm-hmm. the vibrator will wake you up. You know it is shaking your bed. So for in Oklahoma... These were, these were originally designed for the deaf, weren't they? Uh, they're at, basically, um, the first design was for people who are hard of hearing. So people who mm-hmm. wear hearing aids and then take them out at night. Right. Because as we lose our hearing, we lose it at that higher frequency level first which is the sound normal smoke alarms make. So these were initially designed for people who are hard of hearing. But as more sleep studies have been done in research labs, they have the results are that that bed shaker is the best way to wake all of us up. So we don't have to be hard of hearing to have difficulty hearing a smoke alarm. In fact, children are a really good example, aren't they? That's right. Uh, and uh, we know that uh, the smoke alarms uh, do not wake up children. The younger your children are, the less likely that that high-pitched frequency sound will wake them up. And it's just because children sleep in a much more deeper sleep, that REM sleep, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. longer periods of time. So the new message for families, no matter who your family is, that people who you share a living space with, is when that smoke alarm goes off, you need a family fire drill plan. You need an escape plan. And that plan needs to include who's going to get the kids, who's going to wake them up and help them get out of the house. And yeah, There's been a lot of um, news 
pieces. I, I saw one on our local news, and and I know that you've seen them uh, in Oklahoma. That you know, say uh, it's it's a mother's voice or it's uh, an adult voice um, that is best at waking children up. And there's even alarms. They're expensive, but there are even alarms that make it uh, that that have the alert happen uh, with a voice, but. Is this are these effective? Or should we all go out and, and spend a hundred dollars on a voice uh, alert smoke alarm? Well, uh, I would just say that you have to consider the advantage of marketing, and I mm. believe those alarms are really about marketing because the science says that that voice probably does is not more effective than waking up children. In fact, in a sleep lab, they recorded the mom's voice and an actor's voice, and the children didn't respond differently to the mom's voice or the actor's. In fact, the uh, scientist believes from the result of her work that it is the lower frequency of the voice, once again, that lower-pitched sound. I also think maybe it's not reasonable that people can spend $100 on one alarm because for $100, you could have four or five alarms and really have your home well protected. And then when the adults wake up, one of them has just got to quickly get the children and get out. And you know, It's about that family escape plan. Yeah, that's it right. often comes down to that family escape plan. And, you know, even today's codes, if you read the National Fire Alarm Code, even in that code, which is all about equipment, it clearly says this equipment is designed to save your life if you have practiced your family escape plan so that you know when the alarm goes off, you know what to do. It's really frightening. You have three minutes to get out. So when that smoke alarm wakes you up, you have three minutes that's not very long. So people need to practice that plan and know what to do. And then we want them in front of their home, wherever they live. They should be in the front so when the Los Angeles City Fire Department comes to help them, they know that everyone is safe and out of the house. Right. We've got, a, we've got as part of our family escape plan, you have to have that safe meeting place near the house so you can flag down those emergency first responders. So let's, let's go back to... Um, to your experience in installing smoke alarms in homes with disabled residents. Uh, you have a lot of experience with this. What are some of the, the issues that we're seeing, especially when it comes to um, older adults who might have mobility issues? Well, once again, early warnings really important. So you need plenty of alarms so you have as much time as possible to escape. And so people who move slower, people who use a mobility device, really need to think about maybe I don't have time to go down the hall and out my front door. Maybe I really need a way to get out of my bedroom. So mm-hmm. some people with disabilities have modified their homes, and so perhaps they have a door in their bedroom that goes directly outside. Or they might want to sleep, change their sleeping uh, space and sleep in a room that has very quick access to outside. Because it's really not reasonable to think that someone with a mobility disability is able to go out a window. So they really yeah. need to think about how do I get out and get out fast. Then I will tell you, uh, we have served people 
who uh, are not able to transfer themselves in and out of their wheelchair. So they have an aide that helps them get in bed at night. Mm -hmm. And then the aide comes the next morning and helps them get in their wheelchair again. And for those people, the only answer is a home fire sprinkler system. Because if you can't get yourself out of bed and into your mobility device, uh, the firefighters can't get there quick enough to help you. So they should really consider a home fire sprinkler system, which will either extinguish the fire or uh, control it at a level where you are still able to survive within the home. Now, fire sprinkler systems, um, of course, in new construction are required here in California, just like they are in most states. Uh, But is sprinkling, if that's a word I can use, your home um, a retrofit? Is that that an expensive um, process? Well, you know what? I'm so happy you asked that. We just made a movie that I will send you and you can put on your website. Oh, fantastic. uh, Where we installed, we did a retrofit in Natalie's home. And Natalie uses a wheelchair and lives on a horse farm in Oklahoma. And so uh, we did a retrofit, and this little movie is about that project. And it it is more expensive in retrofitting uh, an existing home, but many people with mobility impairment have already modified their home to be accessible so that they, you know, the doorways are wide enough, there's Mm -hmm. ramps Mm -hmm. in and out. And so this would just be another way to really provide the level of care that they need to be able to remain in their own home. So it is some more expensive, but not that much. We still say it's about the price of putting all new carpet in your house or oh, maybe uh, re- remodeling a bathroom. Ah, So it could be part of that retrofit that so many of us have either already done as we age or are looking forward to doing as we age. <laughs> exactly. Since, uh, exactly. Our population is aging, yes. Yeah. And there's great websites with information. The Home Fire Sprinkler Coalition has great materials on their website, and so you could link to that. And then uh, we'll make sure you get our movie so your uh, your Safe LA fans can uh, check out Natalie's retrofit. I'm fascinated to find out about Natalie, not just you know how she's uh, made sure that sprinklers were in her home to protect her, but I've got to see this horse ranch. So, um, <laughs> yes. You know, on that in really happy note, that optimistic note, um, I'd like to close things out, Nancy. What haven't we covered about smoke alarms, the many kinds that are out there, and the best way to have them protect you? Are there elements of our conversation that we need to hit upon again or something we missed? I just want to emphasize again that if you smoke in your house, you're putting everyone at higher risk to a fire. So if you are a smoker, why don't you smoke outside? I I just think that's a key message. We have to be really careful about that here in Los Angeles since we uh, are, especially this winter, an incredibly warm and very dry area. Uh, We don't encourage people, of course, to smoke at all, but we understand that they do. And, uh, of course, we don't want them smoking in the home. But if they are going to smoke outside, let's make sure that it's a very controlled environment and that you are not smoking your dry brush and that you have places to uh, extinguish your cigarettes that don't involve dry brush and especially in the wildland urban interface of Los Angeles. That's a great point. Thank you for bringing that up because well, and I I'm just afraid say, that fire fatalities are, you know, they, your research has shown that they frequently involve people who smoke. Well, and uh, 
we are in a very uh, red flag uh, danger alert in Oklahoma, too. Everything is very oh dry, and the wind has mm. been gr- blowing like crazy. And uh, a few weeks ago, there were three different fires within a mile of my own home. So oh if if you're a smoker, you need to make sure you keep yourself safe, your family safe, and your neighbors. And then I had one more thing I wanted to tell you, Cameron. Sure. Where I work at Oklahoma State University, we publish training materials for firefighters. We're the world's largest publisher. And uh, right now, the city of Los Angeles is training some new recruit firefighters, and they're using the book published in Oklahoma called Essentials of Firefighting. So I love that I'm talking to you, and your firefighters are training with books we wrote. I love that, too. See, there's a, a true link between us, and uh, we're really excited that we've finally got a new class of recruits going through the tower uh, here in Los Angeles. It was a you know a slim five years for us, but we're really happy to be hiring new uh um, excited and uh, energetic firefighters for our, our city. We need them. So uh, Nancy Trench, Assistant Director of Fire Protection Publications at Oklahoma State University, and a wonderful wealth of information about smoke alarms. Thank you so much for joining us for our My Safe LA um, Fire and Life Safety Podcast. It was I learned a lot. It was a fascinating conversation. Thanks, Nancy. Bye. Make sure to visit us online, mysafela.org, to find out the latest research about smoke alarms in your home so you can go out there and choose the right ones for your house and put them in the right places. This is Cameron Barrett wrapping up another Fire and Life Safety podcast for My Safe LA. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to a My Safe LA Fire and Life Safety podcast. My Safe LA is the public education partner of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Visit us at mysafela.org and lafd.org.